Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got an active hour. Ben Dominich, one of the deepest thinkers that Fox News has and publisher of The Federalist. He'll be with us shortly. He's also got a podcast uh, set to launch. And of course, take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. They're zeroing in on that rescue plan legislation that we just don't need. There's a shutdown in the Capitol today because they say there's a threat. So they just shut everything down. That's kind of weird. They're not going to have a vote. Um, and nobody really knows any details about it. Okay? Hopefully nothing will happen. But I do have some big, big questions. Especially when they can't even give the National Guard edible food as they stare straight ahead into a wire fence uh, in the middle of Washington, D.C. Do you know there are more National Guardsmen and, and, and Army personnel around the Capitol than there are in Iraq right now? I would say it's a little bit more dangerous there. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I never knew at the time I was making anyone feel uncomfortable. I certainly never, ever meant to offend anyone or hurt anyone. Okay, case closed then. Don't think so. The Cuomo controversies explained by the governor himself, his non-apology apology, his legal challenges, and his chance at survival in his state and his party straight ahead. Number two. The last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Really? Neanderthal thinking. I thought you were supposed to bring us together, President Biden. Freedom. Not for everyone when it comes to COVID-19. As Mississippi, Texas, Alabama open up fully while President Biden and Democrats' heads erupt. They want to decide when to get our lives back. They want to have be in control. Where do you stand? This is that rescue package is set for passage. I'll bring in the changes and the pushback on the bloated bill. Number one. The Biden administration was releasing illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday. And they're on them today. Illegals trump COVID. Yep. Clearly in this stance, uh, this is the stance of the Biden administration. uh, They're releasing COVID positive illegal aliens into Texas and the cartels are flourishing. Human trafficking is booming. The response from the Biden team was solely responsible for this. Nothing. And behind closed doors, I have to imagine panic. Why? Because, and we got a lot to go over today. On the illegals, it is totally out of control. Overall, the illegals coming across our border, some wearing Biden shirts with his logo, campaign logo, that said, Joe Biden, let us in. You believe this? So they're leaving Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and they're walking through Mexico. No more remain, no more remain in Mexico policy. And they're demanding to be let in. And guess what? We're letting them in. 
We are about 98% capacity. Unaccompanied minors are streaming through. They're supposed to be out by law in 72 hours. They're being kept past that because there's nowhere to put them. There's nowhere to put them. This is a totally self-made crisis that they won't call a crisis. We know better. But I mentioned to you that, of course, they're coming across our border. Over 100 are positive of COVID-19. And believe it or not, we're powerless to stop them from getting on buses and being transported to locations which we control. Jen Psaki on this cut one. While their cases are being adjudicated, testing for COVID-19 is done at the state and local level. Our guidance, regardless of status, is testing positive for COVID-19 or experiencing COVID-like symptoms is, is to isolate, continue to social distance, wear a mask. Unbelievable. So you have the federal policy, which is wide open the southern border. You treat everyone humanely, which means come one, come all, even though we can't handle it. We've got to open up facilities around the country, put them in homes we don't know anything about, mostly in working class communities, to, um, to overstock our schools, many of which aren't yet open. We're bringing people in from other countries into our country, which is over half shut down. Mark Morgan worked for President Obama at this, worked for President Trump at this. Three. I think the key part here is the hypocrisy, because some of these same facilities were used under the Obama administration, and they were moral and justified. Same facilities under Trump, and they were immoral and inhumane. And now, because of the Biden administration's systematically removal of every single effective tool, policy, and authority, we have a new crisis. So they have to build these facilities. It was preventable. They did not have to do this. And, Sean, I need to mention real quick, the DHS secretary stood on, on the White House grounds today, this week, and lied to the American people. He was asked, is there a crisis at the southwest border? And he said, no. That's a blatant lie. And CBP documents uh, dated Tuesday show a growing trend of unoccupied children coming into the U.S. at levels beyond the HHS department's ability to house them. Doesn't that sound like a crisis to you? On average... Over the last 20 days, the U.S. Border Patrol arrested around 340 kids who crossed the U.S.-Mexican border, according to preliminary data, and that's average in a, uh, outlined in this document. Meanwhile, the average time in Border Patrol facilities that are not designed to hold children, by the way, was 77 hours, longer than the 72 hours permitted by law. So they're going to expedite them into so-called sponsor families. Senator John Kennedy cut four. I understand that the companies want to reform America's immigration laws, or at least they say they do. So do I. Uh, The American people deserve an immigration policy that looks like somebody designed the thing on purpose. Uh, The problem is that that, uh, judging him by his deeds, not by his words, that's not what President Biden wants. Uh, President Biden wants to basically erase the difference between legal and illegal immigration. Uh, Judging him by his deeds, not by his words, President Biden thinks that vetting people at the border, all people, vetting people at the border is racist. It's not. It's prudent. Uh, Every country that I'm aware of does that. This is going to get so much bigger when spring gets closer in May. They're going to be so overwhelmed. You're not going to be able to hide it from the press. Right now, they're keeping it from the press under the guise of, we're in a pandemic. I don't want to expose anybody to anybody. So we're going to keep the press away. Not for long. 
And this is why Biden's approval rating was at 54 percent. Now it's at 51 percent. His disapproval was at 30 percent. Now it's at 42 percent. And this is all him. All him. You had the perfect out. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I'm not for the wall, but it's all paid for. I'm going to let them finish the job and not put seven to 10,000 people out of work. We're in a pandemic now. I am going to reform our policies, but in a pandemic, we got to do on the south southern border what we did on the northern border, and that is close it up to anybody or anything that is not commerce-related. But he didn't do that. Now let's talk about the coronavirus. Do you remember when uh, President Biden said, I'm not just going to be the president for Democrats, I'm going to be president for Republicans, not just blue America, but for red America too? Well, he's a funny way of showing it. As you know, he's going to jam this rescue bill down our throats without any Republican support. None in the House, lost two votes in the House, and then they're going to modify it in the Senate, and not one vote's going to come here. You're going to need the vice president to actually uh, uh, gavel that in. You have cases plunging 70 percent in the last two months, deaths down 40 percent. We have a a vaccine that's going to be available for everyone by the end of May. And now we still need $1.9 trillion when only 9% is actually going to things directly affected by the pandemic. So yesterday, two days ago, the governor of Texas said, I'm opening up my whole whole state. It doesn't mean Kroger and Target and Starbucks can't make their own decisions. JCPenney says we're going to have a mask. He goes, it's going to be optional. Your business, your family makes their own decision, but it's called freedom. Mississippi, same thing. Alabama next week, same thing. A lot of getting rid of their mask mandates. Joe Biden asked about that through his two masks. He says this, cut eight. I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Okay. Uh, number one, the people that wear the mask in a cut down. What can we learn from California and New York? Zero. What can we learn from Illinois? Zero. What can we learn from Florida? A lot. They don't have zero cases per capita right in the middle of the country. And they haven't destroyed livelihoods, lives, and families. They let their kids go to school. He's worried about a double mask release when things are going down and vaccines are going up in Texas. That's Governor Greg Abbott's decision. That's another thing that was underappreciated about President Trump. He said to the governors, you know your place bet. I'll back you up. What do you need? I'll back you up. But I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. So Neanderthal thinking, is that a way? To bring our country together? Well, Governor Tate Reeves, who did the same thing as Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, cut 11. Today, I feel the same way as I did uh, the day that Hillary Clinton uh, called all of us in middle America deplorables. Uh, When President Biden said that we were all Neanderthals, uh, it it struck me as someone who needs to get outside of Washington, D.C. and actually travel uh, to middle America. The fact of the matter is um, we are just simply doing the things to give our people the power back to do what they think is best for themselves and their family. Mask, uh, state easing masking requirements include Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, uh, Texas, I mentioned, Alaska, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Missouri, and uh, South Dakota and Carolina. Okay? Tough. Everybody get to, got to the ready. You know, we spent 30 days to bend the curve, 60 days to bend the curve. Don't wear masks. Now wear masks. Don't touch anything. Wipe down all your groceries. Oops, it doesn't transfer on on... On surfaces, nice to tell us so we don't have to wear gloves. 
Now instead of just zero masks, wear one mask. Now wear two masks. And you're telling us that we're giving mixed messages? We're getting mixed messages? No, no. You're giving us mixed messages. And we're not going to live in a life of shutdown. If you want to help the country, President Biden, you go out there and you demand all these teachers' unions, whether they give you the Democrats' votes or not, open up the schools and save kids from mental depression, suicide, or any harmful thing and let them grow. And then also start working on expanding the curriculum into the summer because we're going to need it. Ben Dominich in 10 minutes, but you're next. one 408 7669. I didn't touch on uh, America's governor, sarcastically tongue in cheek, Andrew Cuomo, two sexual harass, three sexual harassment allegations, a big nursing home scandal. We still don't know why 12 medical officials quit his staff. Why? He broke his own pandemic plan and started winging it per press conference. His comments yesterday and how you feel. Uh, about the governor staying on the job. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Normal school year in September? (laughs) Define normal, right? I think what we've done is we've learned uh, what works, what doesn't work, and we have to do everything to get them in to try to re-engage our students. You know, as I said yesterday in one of my visits, we have the future Lin Manuel Mirandas sitting at home waiting for their drama clubs to start. We have uh, the future astronauts Mark Kelly sitting at home waiting for their STEM lab to reopen. We have to get them back in. And it's not just about uh, getting schools the way they looked before March 12th of last year. It's really about reimagining and giving purpose to those sense of communities, making sure that our schools are prepared to meet the social emotional needs of our students, too. Okay. Uh, that is the new Secretary of Education, uh, Miguel Cardona, and I cannot say that was encouraging. Yes, it should be the goal. we got to get him back in school. The other thing is 
Uh, you have Governor uh, Gavin Newsom telling the teachers to go back uh, May 1st, I think it was. It should be yesterday. And uh, they're saying no. They're saying it's racism. It's the white communities that are demanding it, which, by the way, it's not true at all. Most of these uh, urban centers, especially in Los Angeles County, have uh, mostly Hispanic kids. I think 75 percent Hispanic kids and 25 percent black kids, a small percentage of white kids. White people keep reaching for the race card. I mean, are they getting tired of it? They keep pulling it out so often that it's go. It's it's uh, the it's the race card that cried wolf. No one buys it anymore. In fact, uh, you have uh, Gavin Newsom said something I said earlier. If you are somebody with compromised immunity for any reason, cancer treatment, past uh, illness, you have uh, uh, whatever it is, asthma, you should stay home and keep your job and advise the teacher's assistant that's going to be taking your class and maybe zoom in to monitor. There's things that can be done. But for those who don't, get to work. And we got to be prepared to send these kids to school in the summer. They got to catch up. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Here is Cecily Mayarta Cruz. Right, she was. Uh, she's the UT, uh, uh, the union president of Los Angeles. Listen to her talk about privilege. Cut twenty one. Some voices are being allowed to speak louder than others. We have to call out the privilege behind the largely white, wealthy parents driving the push for a rushed return. Their experience of this pandemic is not our students' families' experiences. It is, uh, it is just mind-bending to think that people will find race into this. Uh, when you see minority parents saying, we need our kids back at school, I got to go to work. Uh, I see my kids going backwards. I don't have the infrastructure. Uh, I don't have the laptop, perhaps. Dr. Jill Biden and the education secretary hit the road together to push for schools to open. She's a teacher, right? So in personal learning. So you don't have you don't have to hit each individual school. If there are a problematic school in districts that need some money, show up and do a photo op. That'll help because you set up a GoFundMe page. That place will be flush with cash. But you need to tell your husband to say no more excuses to unions. Do it Reagan style. Do it with Patco or we're going to replace you. Larry Hogan, big critic of... Um, A Republican, big critic of Trump, says when special interests dominate, leaders must represent the voice of the people. Unfortunately, the messaging from the federal government has been haphazard and downright unhelpful. Every day kids are out of school for political reasons is a crisis, an unthinkable cost that may span generations. Now is the time for leaders to put politics aside and tell the hard truth, especially to our friends. That's why the only way... Uh, The only way to not just to get our kids safely back in the classroom, but also show we are genuinely all in this together. Mr. President, send that message loud and clear. Open up the damn schools. And you do it, too, as governor. You sit up there and you show these people up and you call them out. That should not be that tough. So did you see uh, Governor Cuomo yesterday? I'm going to just touch on it now. You know, he's got three separate uh, people who have claimed and got pretty strong cases. One has is the front page of the New York Post today uh, that he has unwanted sexual advances on them. Said things that were totally inappropriate. Harassment allegations coming his direction. Well, he came out and said in a teary-eyed confession, he came out and said he's sorry. He will fully cooperate with the Attorney General Letitia James investigation. And he says that he never knowingly 
wanted to make anybody feel uncomfortable. He says, I never knew at the time I was making anyone feel uncomfortable. I certainly never, ever meant to offend anyone or hurt anyone, cause anyone pain. That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. And he pointed, of course, to his dad. He said they always walked around and touched people and hugged people. Well, there's a picture of him touching a woman's face he doesn't even know, met at a table, a Democratic worker for Obama, and I believe Biden, touching her face. She complained about it, and they took a picture of it. How could you not know? Among her critics, Maria Shriver, former wife of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and, of course, a Kennedy, said, will that be enough, this apology? Will this ease the pain? Will it? Will the apology be accepted? She's not for it. Not at all. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I ask the people of this state to wait for the facts from the Attorney General's report before forming an opinion. Get the facts, please, before forming an opinion. And the Attorney General is doing that review. I will fully cooperate with it. And then you will have the facts. We'll see if any more facts. Facts come out. That is Governor Andrew Cuomo yesterday. He did his normal briefing and then he went right into this, his explanation on the three separate sexual harassment allegations, not the nursing home, not the, uh, uh, all those health officials that quit around him because of his ad-libbing on the pandemic policy, but on this. And then he took some very friendly questions. Uh, one from Marsha uh, uh, this uh, woman, what is her name? Marsha Kramer, a local news, uh, New York reporter. Very friendly question. Is it true there are pictures of you all around the state touching people's face just like the one of the uh, one of the accusers in that picture? Yes, like my dad. So that seemed like an ultimate layup. Ben Dominich is a Fox News contributor now and he's got a brand new podcast out, publisher of The Federalist. Hey, Ben. <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> I mean, that's you heard that's it, insane. right? That's, that's like, like, uh, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> let me uh, ask a question that sounds exactly like a bullet point that would have been sent out by ah, your, ah. your spin team. That's right. ridiculous, Brian. I know. I mean, <laughs> and when he, he he introduced her by saying the dean of New York reporters or something like that, he had a nickname for her. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this should be a tough one. So, oh, so you well, heard the tone know, and Brian, tenor, and I mean, we've been through. I, go ahead, Ben. This is just, look, we've seen this time and again when it comes to the people who are held up by the left as critics of President Trump are uh, actually turn out to often be engaged in really terrible behavior. Okay, we saw it with Michael Avenatti, who was, you know, the media's darling for a year appearing all over the place and CNN and MSNBC over and over and over and over again, never being questioned about anything related to, you know, the things that he was actually doing financially that turned out to be incredibly fraudulent and, and ultimately, you know, he stole money from Stormy Daniels. Yes. And, and of course, and of course, you know, we, 
uh, we, we see in that, I think, the seed of so many other things, the Lincoln Project stuff, the Andrew Cuomo stuff now, you know, the Gavin Newsom stuff, that basically everyone was willing to pretend like they have done nothing wrong. There's nothing questionable about them because they're these crusaders that they can use against uh, the president. And now that, that President Trump has, has departed from the White House, suddenly all these stories come out in a cascade. And it's like the media doesn't – they think that you're an idiot when it comes to consuming what they put out there because it's as if they said, oh, well, we didn't know about this all beforehand. But everyone knows that Andrew Cuomo is someone who's engaged in all types of abrasive behavior, potentially. I don't think anybody's surprised by these kinds of, you know, allegations and the like. You know, Carl Rove is someone who's been saying things about John Weaver for, you know, decades now and, and was you know, saying that this, this stuff in the context that no journalist was interested in reporting on until after the Lincoln Project ceased to be useful to them. This is something we see time and time again from the media and and it's as if they expect their viewers are just a bunch of sheep who don't pay enough attention to notice what they're doing but i do think i think the avenatti analogy is perfect and i think another analogy on his future is governor northam i mean governor northam caught in blackface denying it and then denied it was him in the picture uh and just working through it along with his deputy governor he they just worked right through it and he's still there here is Andrew Cuomo when asked about resigning. Cut 24. Some politicians will always play politics, right? That's the nature of the beast. Uh, I don't think today is a day for politics. Uh, I wasn't elected by politicians. I was elected by the people of the state of New York. Uh, I'm not going to resign. Uh, I work for the people of the state of New York. They elected me, and I'm going to serve the people of the state of New York. And And he goes on to say he's a full plate, and he's the only one that can do it. And he was talking about the 17 Democratic legislators who are calling for him to resign. Can I mention, too, the three accusers all worked for him or in Democratic campaigns before. At an aide of his, who just resigned yesterday's wedding, is when this last accuser stepped forward. So, So, Ben... How do you see this playing out? You know, I think the Northam analogy is, is absolutely accurate. And I should say for context that I've lived in the Old Dominion uh, for all, almost uh, uh, 30 years of my life. And, uh, and the experience with Northam was incredible because you had everyone calling for him to resign. Literally every major Democrat, you know, nationally was calling for him to resign until they discovered that, oh, wait, the lieutenant governor, you know, he's got uh, Me Too problems and, and allegations related to that. And then it turns out the attorney general, also a Democrat, he's done blackface or brownface, too. <laughs> so it's just like this cascade of people, you know, who had all these problems that, that only resulted, by the way, uh, because of someone taking notice of something that was publicly available at this uh, in his college uh, yearbook uh, and that could have been, you know, reported at any point, you know, in the previous election. L- look, the. the Conservatives need to understand they can't count on leftist media to do their job for them. You know, you've, you've got to go out and find these things uh, yourselves, and, and you've got to report on it. Look, thankfully, we have a lot of organizations, and not just Fox, but and the Federalists, but others as well, who are doing this kind of work. But look, I think I think the Cuomo situation is very comparable in the sense that he's not going to resign. He's going to lean into this, I think, and I don't think that there is actually going to be enough pressure put on him to force him to resign, which is very sad, because I think that it's very clear at this point that 
the reason that he should resign isn't even these Me Too allegations, which are, of course, disgusting, though, as I said, not surprising. It's because of the consequences of his decisions as governor that led directly to thousands and thousands of deaths. And that's the sort of thing that you would think would remove a politician from any kind of leadership. Uh, but I think that we're in a new era now when everybody just leans into this stuff and they refuse uh, to back down. They refuse to, to uh, apologize and they refuse really to engage in the level of, of admission that they could be so wrong and make such great errors. So, yeah, the only thing is, I think Lachissa James did a pretty thorough and damning report on the nursing homes. She just didn't hold a press conference after, but it was a thorough look. And if you have these female Democrats coming forward in their 20s and this other woman worked for him, I mean, he can't pretend as if he didn't know they were disturbed because he I'm sure he was part of the process and moved them out. Number two, uh, if that report is very thorough and damning, I mean, at the very least, you stop him from a fourth run and he gets primaried by maybe Letitia James herself. So that might be the end of Cuomo. At least Northam could go back and be a doctor. Cuomo's got nothing to do. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. The, there is kind of a uh, – I don't know if this is like a Sith thing or something else like that where you, you are always struck down by your apprentice. You know, But that seems to be the situation when it comes to attorney generals and their relationship with the governor of New York. I mean, and Andrew Cuomo himself was, was a participant in Took that out you know, in his previous role. So, yeah. look, I, I – I think it's all disgusting, and I think people should be uh, should be up in arms about it. They should be completely disgusted by his behavior. Uh, and I think you're right that ultimately this certainly is something that changes his political future irrevocably. Uh, and I don't. And frankly, I think that any you know reporter, any media person who was playing up uh, their identity as a as a quote unquote homosexual, you know, over the past uh, year should be ashamed uh, and and should, you know, acknowledge that, like, you know, putting politicians on a pedestal where they can do no wrong is a danger regardless of their ideology. And you should always have that perspective right. that says, well, look, let's look at them critically and the decisions they make, the policies that they endorse and what they actually do as a metric of success, not whether we you know, feel warm and fuzzy after we go to right. one of his press conferences. If anyone belongs on a pedestal, it's it, for now, it should be just me and you. And until further notice, <laughs> it's going to be a small club. If that's okay, Ben. All right. We'll see if anyone can knock us off. I actually want to take that back. I don't want to be dare. I don't want to dare anyone to knock us off. But but you know what's pretty telling? I am not going to be the one, and I tell everybody, I don't want to be the one to call out the obvious uh, differences between a smooth politician and Joe Biden. I'm not talking about lip trips. I'm not talking about using the wrong word or losing a word. He seems to be moving very slow, and he's not very exposed. Listen, yesterday, in the unscripted situation, he actually called Texas and states and governors like that something very derogatory. Cut eight. I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. And the last thing. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. It's really going to bring Red America together by calling Governor Abbott, uh, Governor uh, Tate, Neanderthals, and now the governor of Alabama, Neanderthals. 
You know, uh, uh, Texas and Mississippi, both states I've lived in, both states that are near and dear to me, and and uh, I, I honestly, this is just ridiculous. The, the idea that Joe Biden's going to come along and say, "Oh, unity, unity, unity." Also, you're a bunch of cavemen, okay? Because because you're paying attention to actually the the results of these mandates, and what we've learned really is that Americans don't need these type of top-down government mandates, especially ones that, by the way, are have never really been enforced uh, to the level that they could be uh, in order to behave in responsible ways. Trusting the people is not a bad idea when it comes to this. They, the vast majority of people are very responsible when it comes to the treatment of others and the way that they live their lives. That's what Texas is acknowledging. It's almost kind of pulling this back and saying, you know what? I probably never should have gone down this road. I'm a little envious of Christy Nome and others who, uh, you know, have been uh, more endorsing of the, of the freedom approach to this. But at the same time, like, if Biden really wants to be a, a unity guy, he shouldn't be treating people in this way or using these types of de- derogatory terms about uh, American political leaders who have been elected by their states and, and are doing their best to represent their interests. Instead, I think he should be offering olive branches and saying, hey, look, you know, we want to get you as many vaccines as possible, as quickly as possible, so that we can go back to normal life. The real thing that we are missing with leadership right now is that aspirational goal, that optimism, instead of people who are basically saying, no, it's going to be this way for the next year, regardless of how many people we get vaccinated, regardless of right. how many people uh, we are able to, to get through this process, uh, which I think depresses everyone and makes them basically say, why should I even go and get in line for a vaccine if it's not going to change my life? Uh, ben Dominic, our guest. And Ben, I asked Greg Abbott a half hour ago on Fox and Friends. I played the soundbite and wanted him to comment. Here's what he said. Cut nine. It obviously is not the type of thing that a president should be saying. But second, he kind of said it on the worst day he could have, because the same day he said that uh, in Texas, the Biden administration was releasing illegal immigrant illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday because of their lack of constraint of, of testing and, and uh, quarantining. Uh, people who'd come across the border illegally. The Biden administration uh, was exposing Texans to COVID. That is Neanderthal-type approach uh, to dealing uh, with the COVID situation. So he's totally right. And is it, it is a great analogy. What's happened at the border is total chaos. They're not even acknowledging it. It's a self-inflicted wound that's only going to get bigger and, and harder to solve. You know, uh, Brian, I have to recommend my uh, uh, our political editor at The Federalist, John Davidson, who's a Texas resident and who goes to the border for us every quarter and does a bunch of reporting along on the Mexico side and, and the American side, has been warning about this both on Fox and, and elsewhere for the past several months. This is an explosive situation. It is already getting much worse than what we've seen in the past. And the Biden administration is basically putting out the welcome mat for all of these people who it makes no sense. I mean, this is the reason that government exists in the first place, to have borders and to prevent these kinds of outbreaks. I mean, that's that's the reason that, you know, historically we even have them. And yet this is going in a completely opposite direction from any kind of common sense, any kind of science, because the Biden administration is prioritizing basically any policy that they have as being, well, we're just going to do the opposite of what Trump did. 
because that couldn't have, have worked, except it was working. It did work. It required Mexico to be responsible to protect their own southern border, by the way, and keep these Central American migrants out of America by preventing the whole thing, the whole push. And this mm-hmm. is a situation that I think is only going to get worse. People gotcha. should anticipate it getting worse, and it is going to spread uh, new strains of the virus through the population because of these people coming over and being treated in such an irresponsible manner. And Ben, when do you, how do we get your podcast? When do you start? So uh, we start on on Monday. I'm I'm happy to tell you that uh, uh, we have uh, we have a great guest lined up and and we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, you can uh, go to uh, the Fox News podcast site and you can uh, and you can find and subscribe to the Ben Dominic's podcast. It's going to be a number of, of different conversations with newsmakers and with uh, smart people and others. And I hope, Brian, that I will have you on in the next coming weeks uh, as well, because we have a lot to talk about. I think. I think we have a lot in common, but I don't come free. I have a fee and that scares a lot of people off. Uh, so we'll see, Ben, what kind of budget you have. All right. I'll try I'll try to go fund me. <laughs> ben, thanks so much. Uh, have a great Thursday. Great to be with you, Brian. You got it. one 408 7669 Calls next. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. But if you're worried about these children's books being removed from the shelves, we here at A Late Show have just the book for you. It's Oh, the Books You Can Read. So the book news you heard today just got your goose, and now you're defensive for old Dr. Seuss. If you find that your bookshelf just got a little bit duller, consider these kids' books from people of color. There's lots of new stories you might find quite good, like Imani's Moon by Janae Brown Wood. And this one right here is the real, real McCoy. It's Tomisha Booker's great book, Brown Boy Joy. There are so many stories, a whole great assortee. It's fun to read books written after the 40s. So don't be so cancelly, culturally whiny. Read these books after pulling your head from your hiney. Okay. Uh, now I know, you know, the late night shows are going down, all of them. He may be leading, but he's leading a sinking ship. Nobody's watching. His um, jokes are less and less funny. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just a new show. Just might as well be on, and that's fine. That's why Gutfeld's going to kill it at his hour. I do have some good news. You want to hear some good news? I would love good news. So Arthur Lee, the founder and creator of LifeVac, who is kind enough to sponsor us at WABC, says that LifeVac has saved another child. This time it's Ajax in Ontario. They were overjoyed to announce that, excuse me, in Ajax, Ontario. His name is Sawyer, uh, 21 months. He was saved by his dad using a LifeVac during uh, when his passageway was blocked. Uh, his dad is a first responder. Quote, I am a first responder, so when I heard my son choking, I knew exactly what I needed to do. To my horror, the Heimlich was ineffective. I quickly realized his food was firmly wedged in his throat. I quickly grabbed the life back. It took me only one pump to pop the food out. My son began to cry, which means he is now breathing. So if you go to LifeVac, 
L-I-F-E-V-A-C. Go to their website. Uh, you should order this. It's like having a fire extinguisher. Why would, you hope you don't need it. You hope you have it. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A lot going on. Be able to speak to the governor of Texas in the middle of some controversy because he wanted to do this thing called give people choice in Texas when it comes to masks and open up their restaurants and what have you, as well as businesses. We also are going to be talking to uh, another special guest at the bottom of the hour. Uh, That'll be Jessica Donati of the Wall Street Journal. And we do have another special guest queued up. I don't want to give it away, but first, the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I never knew at the time I was making anyone feel uncomfortable. I certainly never, ever meant to offend anyone or hurt anyone. Yeah, the Cuomo apology, the controversies are piling up, explained by the governor himself, his non-apology apology, his legal challenges, and his chance at survival in his state and in his party. Number two. The last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine, take off your mask, forget it. It still matters. Wow, that's a unity message. Freedom, not for everyone when it comes to COVID-19, as Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, and others are fully opening up, while President Biden and Democrats turn, well, their heads, they turn beet red and their heads erupt. They want to decide when we get our lives back. Where do we stand on that? Where do you stand on that? There's a rescue package, by the way, making its way through the Senate. What will it look like in the end? Do we need it? We'll talk about it. Number one. The Biden administration was releasing illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday. Yeah, illegals. Trump uh, illegals trump COVID in my mind. Clearly, that is the stance of the Biden administration as they are releasing COVID positive illegals into Texas and cartels are flourishing. Human trafficking is booming. The response from the Biden team, not much. Behind closed doors, I imagine panic. But first, and now it is time to clear the airwaves for the esteemed psychologist from Fox News Sunday. And I'm not trying to be psychological. You like people's approval. You do not like to be disliked. The chances of a kid getting it and being uh, falling ill are are infinitesimal. Michael, is he right or wrong? I think he's right. Whoa! <laughs> Michael Osterholm on the Brian Williams Show says Brian Kilmeade's right. Brian Kilmeade was right. What was it about your childhood that makes you seek people's approval? Providing the encouragement his patients need. And then, you know what they say, a broken clock <laughs> is right twice a day. While keeping them grounded in reality. Brian Kilmeade tried. He, like, sent me a signed book, and I'm not a fan. I don't even wish to speak of him. <laughs> I think in that particular, I think Osterholm was right, and I think Bobby Moynihan was right. <laughs> and giving constructive feedback. You did say terrible things about Bobby Moynihan. 
Paging Dr. Wallace. Dr. Wallace. Uh, Dr. Wallace, I just I cannot I'm afford so, these I'm, hour I'm sorry, lyrics. Our time is up here. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get to All right. next week. Chris Wallace. Well, they've done it again. They've done it again. <laughs> They raised the bar. That was fantastic, right? That was fantastic. Listen, I wish they showed one one hundredth the creativity for the rest of the show <laughs> as they do once a week for my intro. That I thought you brilliant. were a fan of the show. I am a fan of the show, but I actually think this is the best part of the show. Right. Uh, it is great. I mean, are you honored for that, or is this something you expect? Uh, well, kind of both. I, I'm pleased by it, but I do kind of expect it because, you see, as opposed to you, I believe that if you encourage people, they do their best work. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm very, very pleased with that. It was excellent. That was first-rate first, first rate work. What Thank I do everybody. is more of a Bobby Knight thing. I'll berate you until you graduate. And then when you move on, I said I was just trying to make you better. I'm going to say two words to your staff that you have never said. Thank you. <laughs> Why should I thank them? They're doing their job. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And this is the real Brian Kilmeade. Right. Every once in a while, it pops out. It does. He's not the nice guy with the dimples. He does that. You do have adorable dimples, but uh, that's not who you really are. You're a tyrant. Can I, can I tell you something? Through my, I was an unbelievably cute child. Even when I look back at the pictures, uh, and my teachers noticed that, and they would point it out, and it would kind of alienate me from the other kids. So if you would stop talking about my dimples, because on the Christmas party, when I see other anchors uh, like um, Charles Payne, um, Stuart Varney, <laughs> there's going to be a resentment. Instead of that, hey, what's going on? You know, what is it like? In the there's going to be a little bit of a standoffishness. So if you would treat me like everybody else, I'd appreciate it. So, so wait, wait one second. When you say that you, when you were a little kid that the teachers used to point out how cute you were, why, what would they say? They would look look at your dimples. Where'd you get them from? I had enormous cheeks at the time. People thought that was positive. The girls didn't. Um, I've since lost a great degree of weight since fourth uh, fourth grade. Were you a tubby? No, I wasn't really. I mean, when I was very young, yes. But then I I kind of thinned out. I played a, I, around. I started playing a lot of soccer. So you can't really play soccer and have any type of success and be overweight. That's certainly true. Right. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Who do you have on? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, well, who do you have on? Have you booked I, anybody yet? I can yet? tell you, but go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Tell me. Well, we, we only have booked one person, but remember, it's only uh, Thursday morning. Yeah. Uh, we have – you know, it's, I, it's actually fascinating. Joe Manchin, the, the most powerful man in the Senate, he has played his card so well because everybody could be the most powerful man in the Senate. Every Democrat could because they're the – difference between 49 votes or 50 votes. But Manchin has staked out this position where everything has to go to him for approval. If you're near a Tandon as budget chief, no, I'm not for it. Boom, she's dead. Uh, you know, let's, let's change the rules on the filibuster. No, I'm not for that. It's dead. He has really played his card well. Uh, and you can see it right now as he's helping determine exactly what the Senate is going to pass on COVID relief. It's, it's, it's actually quite brilliant what he's done. It has. And because he's a very, very red state, he's a Democrat that uh, fashions himself a moderate, voted for a few of the not decisive votes, so a few of Donald Trump's policies and people. Now, the big question for you, by the way, the best guest in Washington right now. So congratulations on that. The big Thank question you. is, do you have a sense of where he's going on the attorney general in California, Xavier Becerra? 
Javier Becerra. <laughs> no wonder I had, I haven't booked it. What's the difference? Is well, it that, that much of a difference? That's how you pronounce it, Javier Becerra. Uh, anyway, it's not Xavier, it's Javier. Uh, I, I, it's a good question. I will ask him. Okay. Any, wait, wait. Let me slow this down and give me, let me get my pen and pencil. Any other questions for uh, Senator Manchin? Will he ever flip to the Republican Party or threaten that? I tell you, forever I am in debt to him as an American because he will not flip on the filibuster. And I think that helps our country. A Senate with a simple majority is not uh, to the best interest of either party, don't you think? I I completely agree with you. And, you know, I don't understand the Democrats. The Democrats were the ones who opened the door to making the Supreme Court uh, a 50-50, you know, that with a simple majority rather than the supermajority, because the Democrats, back when Harry Reid was the Senate, they didn't do it for the Supreme Court, but they did it for every court below that, circuit court, district court. And you open that door and somebody else is going to push it even wider open. You start messing around with legislation, which is what you're talking about as opposed to appointments. Uh, and, yeah, you're going to be able to get everything you want through, uh, immigration reform, uh, a bunch of others of gun control. Guess what? At a certain point, the Senate is going to be in Republican hands. Absolutely. And it's going to be a Republican president, and they'll just turn around and, and change it all. So if, if you don't want the, the, the other party to ram everything through when they're in power, you got to live with it when you're in power. Yeah, and it's going to be like surfing. We're not going to believe the change in our country with each election. Uh, let's talk about Joe Biden. We know that he likes yes, to say in the script and not have a press conference now. It's, it's getting to record territory, longest in 100 years without a press conference. He hasn't even committed to addressing both, uh, both uh, to uh, doing not a State of the Union, but his first address to a joint session of Congress because he wants to get this rescue package done yet. I found that kind of unique. And then yesterday, off script, they were trying to wrap up the press, and this question came out when it came to Texas uh, saying – it's up to you, ladies and gentlemen. Mass mandate done. Cut eight. I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. So the governor of Mississippi says, I feel like I did when I heard Hillary Clinton use the term deplorable to describe voters and, and people in his state. And I asked Greg, Governor Greg Abbott this on Fox and Friends 40 minutes ago. Cut nine. It obviously is not the type of thing that a president should be saying. But second, he kind of said it on the worst day he could have, because the same day he said that uh, in Texas, the Biden administration was releasing Illegal, immigrant, illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday because of their lack of constraint of, of testing and, and uh, quarantining uh, people who'd come across the border illegally. The Biden administration uh, was exposing Texans to COVID. That is Neanderthal-type approach uh, to dealing uh, with the COVID situation. Now let me insert Chris Wallace. Chris, where do you stand here? Who's making more sense to you? Uh, I think I'm just trying to think how deep into this I want to get. I actually think they're both uh, make some sense. I think the idea I think the in terms of immigration that uh, that the Biden administration has really messed up so far. And they can, they're going to have a huge problem with this surge 
in in unaccompanied minors uh and and you know to send a message we want we uh, we want you to come just don't come now is not the kind of message that's going to get through you know what, what gets through is a sense am i more likely to get across the border and be able to stay in the country or not and i think obviously people speak with their feet in this case People think it's particularly unaccompanied minors that it's easier to get through. And you're seeing numbers, which I think 47 a day were being apprehended at the end of the Trump administration. And now it's 347 a day. Uh, you know, you add that up. They're talking about, uh, I, I, I think, 130 or 40,000 in this fiscal year. That, that's a huge number. And then you add on to that the fact that some of them are going to have COVID and then they're getting released into the in, into the population. That is a huge public health problem. Now, I suspect you and I disagree because I'm not convinced that lifting all the restrictions now as they are going to be in Texas is a good idea. Yeah, I, I was in Florida about five times over the last eight months. And I'm telling you, I walk into a grocery store. There's this mask. You know, walk into a, uh, I have not walked into one restaurant where they don't say, you know, mask as you walk to the table. But they're letting people go. You know, and they're spreading people out, leaving some tables empty. They're doing it on their own. They don't have a governor or inspector breathing down their neck, and they're right in the middle per capita with everyone else, as is Texas per capita. You know, it's a huge state. So to me, he's empowering people to make decisions. Starbucks, Costco, uh, Kroger's are all saying we need you to wear a mask, and that's fine. So it's that freedom thing I'm for and you're against. Wow. Wow. You you still are a little upset that I uh, talked to, did the psychological thing about your needing approval, Again, apparently from everybody but me, because that was kind of jumping ugly with me. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, do you know where uh, Texas, first of all, you talked about uh, them spreading it out. You know that he's now saying you can go back to 100 percent. In, right. in a restaurant, in a store, in whatever, 100 percent capacity. Love no it. more. What? I love it. You know why? Chris, if you don't feel comfortable, you will not go to that restaurant. You'll pick the restaurant that has the spread of the plexiglass or not go. And I might say I'm comfortable. I I was in there. That's fine. And I made a decision and you made a decision. And we're we're, we're both free. We have rules. States set rules. For instance, speed limits. Should we just have it as, you know, you go go whatever you feel safe? Good point, but not relevant. Well, I think it's a little relevant. States set safety standards because they say for the greater good of the state, for the safety of other people around you. And, and you know, it's not just a matter of personal freedom, because if there's a spread, incidentally, Texas, I think it's 47th or 48th per capita in vaccinations. They're not doing so well. And and in fact, the number of cases is over the last week or two gone up in Texas. I just I just don't know that I understand it. And and the problem, of course, is. If there's a greater spread of the disease in Texas, then, you know, it's not like people stay in Texas. They're going to get on planes. They're going to go to other places. They're going to go, you know, and now I may have a completely different rule in D.C., but now I'm going to have to live with the consequences of, of a greater spread of the disease in Texas coming to. Right. I, I, and just so you know, just know, to get ready for your show Sunday, that's what Florida oh. and New York have been going back and forth. And you come off. There's National Guard waiting there. You're from New York. Uh, they ask you a few questions when you're done. Uh, and what you do is you get a test before you leave. That's it. So if if you as a state, a governor, want to have a rule for Texas, uh, go ahead. You know, uh, but we got to get back to normal. And I think this is a big step. And that, you know what this I is- think it is? I'm for health, public health, and you're against it. 
Right. I'm for freedom. I'm for life. You're for death. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Joy Behar. I appreciate it. Uh, Chris, good luck on your show Sunday. You don't need anyone but Joe Manchin. Keep the whole hour. Thank you. Well, no, I'm going to, we're, we're going to book it. It just, it's a work. Of, you know, I'm not like Fox and Friends or this show where you've got a, a fine team that sits there and books everything for you. I got to, I got to do some work myself. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know what that's like at all. Uh, Chris, thanks so much. You seem <laughs> nice. Right. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. His contrition, such as it is, even his self-pity, does not extend to the nursing home dead. You know, those 15,000 people uh, who were consigned to an early death. Now, that is something that the New York Post was writing about last May. Um, other, you were talking about it, and there were others. But, of course, all of that Democrat-friendly media were busily trying to create this myth around him as a hero, as the gold standard leader. So I just ask, where are all his victims? Where were they then? Where are all those Democrats now speaking out? Where were they then when it counted? It doesn't matter now. He hasn't changed suddenly since the election. He's always been this way. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, he got a rebirth. He was uh, not popular without any legitimate politician challenging him because of the name and the legacy. But now people are jumping on the fact that Governor Cuomo is more than vulnerable for a good reason. Rich, listen on WDBO in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Hey, Rich. Hey, Brian. Good morning to you. Hey, I know your time is valuable. Uh, I hear you talking about Texas and, uh, you know, the no mask thing. Man, I'm totally on board with that because you're right. I live in Florida and, um, you know, we're just – you got to be smart about what you do, but but have they forgotten about the fact that more people die from drug overdoses? I mean, half a million people died from COVID, but look at drug overdoses, look at whatever, hell, abortions, car accidents, every just whatever you want to name. The bottom line is this COVID thing, I had it. I have 20 people, friends that had it, and we all survived. I mean, I don't get it. I think they blew it up. I they do. scare tactic. Well, to, to some, it's very dangerous. To most, it's not. And we're getting better with the therapeutics. The vaccine is doing it more than uh, more than we ever thought it would. And that's what these governors are saying. It's been a year. You told us 30 days. Enough. Back to work. We understand the dangers. We'll take the risk. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Jennifer Donati uh, with the Wall Street Journal. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I would tell you that uh, the president acted well within his constitutional authorities under Article 2 as Commander-in-Chief of the United States uh, to protect uh, American service members uh, involved in operations. Clearly, there's a constitutional authority here. 
Uh, that was John Kirby, now uh, back with the State Department. Uh, welcome back, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's my pleasure to bring in Jessica Donati, covers the national, secure, uh, national security issues for the Wall Street Journal in Washington and joins the paper as the Bureau Chief in Afghanistan, uh, did that back in 2015, and author of this new book, Eagle Down, The Last Special Forces Fighting the Forever War. Jessica, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So in Afghanistan, if Donald Trump had his way and got another term, we might be out by now. Where are we at with this war, and what are special forces being asked to do? Yeah, I think there's no doubt that if the Trump administration had stayed, uh, the U.S. would be out by May. Uh, Where we are now is that we're looking at a situation where um, the Biden administration has to decide whether to stick to the terms of the deal and pull out and risk having uh, the Taliban try and take over um, Kabul or... um, Day and uh, continue to fight this sort of covert war using special forces, uh, which is what the theme of my book is about, because I wanted to show what it would be like for what it really was like for soldiers uh, who are still there fighting because nobody really has any idea. So why? I mean, for a while, we wouldn't even talk to the Taliban. Now we're asking them to talk to us. If we left tomorrow, how soon do the Taliban take over? I mean, I think that it's, uh, it's not said that the Taliban would just roll into Kabul and, and take over. Uh, the Afghan forces have uh, tens of thousands of highly trained commanders who've been uh, trained and equipped by America's best military forces for years. And there's no chance that they would just roll over and let the Taliban go into Kabul. So I think what people fear is that you're going to have a civil war-like situation where the Taliban perhaps take over major cities in the south, which is their stronghold, and uh, then fight for control of the north. And then you'll see the sort of very bloody ethnic uh, conflict, which, uh, which nobody wants to see. What are we asking special ops to do there? And how much leeway do they have, being that we're not focused on this war like we used to? Well, that, that's a great question, because what has been asked of special operations since the Obama administration in 2015, when they pulled out most troops, they claimed that they had ended the war and that they had turned it into this training operation. But in fact, what they did was they turned it over to special operations and tasked them with the job of helping Afghan commandos prevent major cities and towns from falling under Taliban control. So you have situ- you've had situations since then with Green Berets and other special operations have been fighting with very limited uh, resources, with absolutely no recognition um, from their own government to keep these cities from falling under Taliban control. And, uh, and that's likely to continue because if the uh, Biden administration decides that they are going to stay beyond May, Uh, the Taliban are likely to escalate attacks. And then you're going to see American forces back on the front lines trying to prevent these major territorial losses, which would be a huge embarrassment for the government. And allow uh, Iran to get a foothold back in that country, which is unthinkable because they used to be rivals with the Taliban. And China will continue to put their footprint there, and Russia won't back away. So we're not going to leave and not pay a price. We leave after spending all that time, energy, and treasure, and lives and then we just turn it over to the people we're fighting against. What is the presence of the Islamic, uh, the ISIS forces there, the Al-Qaeda forces there? I think that's, uh, I mean, that's something that is very hard to determine because a lot of the worst attacks, which, uh, which target women and activists, and they're often claimed by Islamic State, 
But we don't really know if Islamic State is just claiming them to, uh, to increase their sort of appearance or giving the Taliban a pass where the Taliban are really behind this because the Taliban don't like to claim these, te- these worst attacks. What we do know is that the Taliban over the, over the past uh, few years, since we've seen a sort of U.S. Would attempt to withdraw, you've seen them get closer to China, to um, Iran. You know, the, uh, the previous leader of the Taliban was killed by a U.S. drone strike as he left uh, Iran, where he apparently had a family and where, you know, when I was over there, I would go over to the sort of western side of the country, the Iranian border, and Taliban would go there and go to Iran and train. So you're seeing a much closer alliance now between the Iranians and the Taliban. The Chinese have hedged their bets with them. The Russians, too. I mean, the Russians often have the Taliban over there uh, to talk about peace. And so, I mean, the U.S. withdrawal, which has been underway for years, uh, you know, it's almost been 10 years now that the U.S. has been trying to get out, has definitely allowed other regional players to to move in because they want to have a stake in in Afghanistan's future as well. Right, without getting in the quicksand, uh, maybe take some of the, pre- the the rare earth, uh, some of those precious metals, and that's what China does. They don't fight the wars; they just uh, they reap the benefits of the natural resources. So, Jessica, what uh, what do you you are worried in your book? You write you are worried about long term health or special ops. They're being stretched too thin. Yeah, I mean, what I found was that uh, individual special operations soldiers are incredibly dedicated. They've been working their entire lives in service of, of the country. And when they actually get to Afghanistan, and many of the, the guys in my book, you know, they're not, they're on their like fifth or sixth rotation. They've been going to Afghanistan for 10, 15 years. It's part of their, of their life. And, uh, and they are contending with constantly changing policies, depending on what's going on in Washington. They can either, you know, use air support, not use air support. This increases the risk that they face. So they're, and they're finding that they're often going back to the same places over and over again because there's no long-term strategy. So they're going, risking their lives. They're seeing their bodies die um, without uh, any way to maintain the games. And this is frustrating for them. And I've seen, you know, it wear down on people's on morale. I think it's caused some of the, some of the best uh, special forces soldiers to leave the force because they're disillusioned with it, because they feel that often they've become uh, pawns in this kind of political, political um, situation where in Washington they don't want to say that they're fighting the war, but they also don't want to leave. And so you have special forces become firefighters in a way. And it, I think it's very demoralizing when you're going back year after year and just seeing the situation get worse. Absolutely. And, and uh, the rules of engagement keep changing and our mission keeps changing. So uh, uh, the presence is expected. And the longer they're there, the longer uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS could be on its heels. Or at least we keep an eye on them in the region because that's when the terrorist strikes seem to come. And they, they always seem to metastasize in gaps. And Afghanistan was right. a huge gap. Now, so is Syria. You heard, you remember the strikes in Syria that the, uh, Joe Biden did in response to the Iranian-backed militias hit on our bases. Here's what John Kirby said about the Syria strike and then the return strike that happened the other day. Cut 49. We believe right now uh, there was likely one militia member, member killed and two militia members wounded. This was really designed to do two things, to remove that compound from their utilization of it, 
um, as an entry control point from Syria into Iraq, and two, to send a very strong signal that we're not going to tolerate attacks on our people and our Iraqi partners. So what is the situation in Syria where they kill anybody or anything? I saw the 60-minute special, and where our Iranian militias feel comfortable uh, training and plotting and planning. Yeah, I think they're definitely um, testing the Biden administration because, as we know, these militias are backed, um, backed by Iran and even controlled by Iran. And uh, the Biden administration is, is hoping to restore the JCPOA. And so they need something from Iran right now, and they're being tested. And I think what the Biden administration is trying to do is show that it's not prepared to just take any attack, but it also doesn't want to escalate things so that they find themselves in a, in a cycle of growing violence. And, uh, I mean, this is, this is the problem. I mean, the, the whole reason that there is uh, that ISIS did take power in, ISIS, in uh, Iraq and Syria was because the U.S. left uh, in 2011, and that allowed them to take over the huge parts of the country. And so I think in these areas, both in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan, the fact that the U.S. has constantly been talking about leaving doesn't really encourage the people that, that they're fighting alongside the U.S. because they look at the Americans and they say, well, they could be gone tomorrow. And what, where are we going to be if the Americans are gone? And so they do hedge their bets. They do have divided loyalties. And they're not going to fight so hard for a U.S.-backed government that may lose its U.S. support soon. Absolutely. And Jessica Donati, by the way, our guest, Eagle Down, the name of the book, The Last Special Forces Fighting the Forever War. Jessica, if, if a member of the Biden administration or the State Department pulled you over and said, listen, what do you recommend we do? We have talks going on in Doha right now. What do you recommend? What, what are the risks? What would you tell them? I think it's a difficult question. I mean, I think there's no doubt that if the U.S. leaves, they will, uh, Afghanistan will likely descend into a very chaotic situation. We'll see um, terrible things happen to women and to, I mean, to everybody there because of the violence. At the same time, I don't think that the uh, the course that was set um, under under the Obama administration, which was to basically act as sort of a firefighting force to keep the Afghan government on life support, that's clearly not working either. And so I think there just needs to be more openness and more commitment uh, to a long-term strategy, whether your long-term strategy is, okay, Taliban, we're going to stay until there's a peace deal and then somehow force the government to move along with that. Or say, okay, cut our losses and we're going to go. But to sort of string everyone along saying we're going soon, we're going soon, I think that just uh, creates uncertainty uh, and both sides have little incentive mm-hmm. to move forward in the peace process underway now. What I don't understand, and I, that I appreciate you saying that, just say we're going to be there for the next few years and gradually wind down. But uh, I, I don't understand why it's taken so long to train Afghans to defend themselves. We put so much money into that country in training. Why can't we get why can't they have a a good police force and, and a solid army? I think that I mean that that is the, the problem is that the the u s hasn't been committed i mean since um if you remember since the surge right way back in two thousand and nine uh when the u s was supposed to turn around the war and uh and commit to it at the same time they announced that they were withdrawing and so all of the people that they've been training, uh, you know, are aware that any day now the U.S. is going to go and they're not going to have all the air support, all the intelligence support, perhaps not even all the financial support. So they head. And in fact, if you a lot of Afghan, I mean, many Afghan families uh, have have fighters in both the Taliban and the police because they want to head. These are communities that are divided. And uh 
and that's the, and that's the reason why. And I don't think that investing more money and more time is ever going to create uh, the kind of force that will be needed mm-hmm. to um, to survive on its own. Jessica Donati, thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you again. And this is going to be front and center soon. And there's going to be a few better few better people to talk to. Uh, and I do hope the administration reaches out to you. Uh, pick up her book, Eagle Down, The Last Special Forces Fighting the Forever War. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you very much. And a look at her columns in the National Security section of the Wall Street Journal. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. I see the calls on there, but I'm just wondering if this is the perfect time to find out if you need to know more. And more to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. All right, the L.A. County Sheriff got a search warrant to seize the black box in the vehicle Tiger Woods crash. Multiple law enforcement sources tell TMZ the search warrant prepared by the Sheriff's Department outlined details of the crash. They left Tiger barely injured. Some of the items go to the heart of the warrant, establishing probable cause, the fact that there was no skid marks, the object struck by the SUV before it came to rest, and the fact that there was uh, it was a single vehicle crash. Tiger's horrible injuries uh, as well as damage to the vehicle. Uh, it clearly he was speeding. Some say that he might have fallen asleep. Is that possible? Seven forty in the morning, falling asleep. Everyone's not a morning person like you, Brian. I know, but leaving the hotel, I think he was only away from the hotel. I heard he was aggravated that his valet was late and he was late for his appointment. I could see how that could happen. The other thing though about issuing the search warrant, apparently this is pretty much standard procedure for accidents like this. Yeah, but I'm just wondering too, why no skid marks? That's strange. Anything? I would think he didn't hit the brakes. Yeah, I would agree. But maybe he, who knows, looking at his phone or something, so he didn't even hit the brakes sometimes. Next. He does that. That's pretty bad. Tom Brady says the Lombardi Trophy throw seemed really fun to do at the time. Was there any bit of you thinking, what do I do if this goes in the water? Okay, first of all, I was not thinking at that moment there was not a thought somebody oh, shouts no don't do it that's that's my little eight-year-old daughter the daddy oh, no oh, and who could imagine that an eight-year-old girl would have the most sense of anybody and that is funny and he did throw from boat to boat the boat parade was working so typical florida they found a way exactly and probably the eight-year-old was one of the only sober people on the boat Maybe. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, he's having fun. Don't you think it's refreshing to have fun? No one's condemning him for drinking too much. They know he had a couple of extra beers, right? What's the big deal? I mean, what, are he, people condemning him? I haven't seen people upset with him, are they? I think just after the fact, what the the daughter of whoever made the Lombardi Trophy, what didn't like the fact he threw uh, it. But I mean, come on, I think that's just trying to find controversy. I always say in controversial situations, go to the family member, the person that made the trophy. Uh, <laughs> Joe Montana's advice to Tom Brady after last uh, the latest Super Bowl victory: play as long as you can because once it's over, it's over. And if you try to get back. To it after you retire, especially at the later age, it's hard to get that motivation to get back again. So as long as you can do it, keep doing it, keep playing. And he famously grew up in the stands with his dad 
in San Francisco watching his 49ers. No, but I think that's true of anything, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people think, oh, I need to retire. But for what? Unless you're retiring to do something else you want to do and you enjoy your job, keep working. Absolutely. Now, you know I can't get enough of the Royals, so let's switch to this one, Matt. Megan uh, Megan Markle uh, with Oprah sat down uh, and she talked about how they expect that after all this time we would still just be silent. People are surprised by that. Let's listen. How do you feel about the palace hearing you speak your truth today? I don't know how they could expect that after all of this time, we would still just be silent if there is an active role that the firm is playing in perpetuating falsehoods about us. And if that comes with risk of losing things, I mean, I've there's a lot that's been lost already. I mean, did you get $50 million for a podcast she hasn't even done yet? I think so. She got a lot of money for that. But I mean, I think do you now see after, you know, these promos have been released, the palaces or things are coming out of England saying that there's an investigation into her bullying her staff. Right. Uh, Why do we investigate that? I mean, by by the way, for royals to be mean to their staff, doesn't that happen in every movie and every I'm not saying it's right. But I'm sure the queen has always been very polite to her staff. Right. I know everything's super proper. And, you know, that sort of goes to her point, though, that. They're sort of trying to smear her. Much of the conversation with Oprah, they said, was around the interview, has been monopolized by accusations made by Markle that she bullied at least two palace aides during the short time there. The Times of London quoted sources saying that the Duchess of Sussex reduced staffers to tears. Can you sue? I mean, what's the big deal about it? I mean, that, so if someone cries, that means uh, they're, what, what happens? It goes to jail? Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just trying to make her look like the bad person. I think all of it's just sad, right? Don't you just want them to get along? No, I don't really care. But it is. <laughs> this is the only royal story I really did, did care about. Prince wow, Bill? too bad. I've left 12, uh, 12 stories maybe in the locker room. Keep listening. Maybe you'll hear the right, later. Too much royal talk. It always monopolizes uh, more than them. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. Go to briankillme.com. Order any of my books. I can personalize them and send it. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up shortly, Miranda Devine. At the bottom of the hour, Brad Melter will be with us. Uh, Brad Melter, esteemed historian, uh, is taking it personal that these kids are growing up and not having role models. American history role, history role models is rolling out two more books. So Brad will be with us shortly. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I never knew. At the time, I was making anyone feel uncomfortable. I certainly never, ever meant to offend anyone or hurt anyone. Yeah, the Cuomo controversies explained by the governor himself, his non-apology apology, his legal challenges, and his chance at survival in his state and his party. Number two. The last thing. The last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. 
freedom. Not for everyone when it comes to COVID-19 as Mississippi, Texas, and Alabama, among other states, opening up. President Biden not happy about it. Their heads erupt. They want to decide when we get our lives back. Really? When does this happen? Why does this happen? And oh yeah, that rescue package set for passage on a pure party line vote. I'll bring in the changes. Number one. The Biden administration was releasing illegal immigrants into our communities who had COVID. The Biden administration was spreading COVID in South Texas yesterday. Illegals. Trump COVID. Clearly, that is the stance of the Biden administration as they are releasing COVID positive illegals into Texas and into Arizona. And the cartels are flourishing. Human trafficking is booming. The response for the Biden team? Crickets. And behind closed doors, I imagine panic. So let's bring in Miranda Devine um, of the New York Post and Fox News contributor. Miranda, welcome back. Hey, hi, Brian. Nice to talk to you. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable, right? You call out the governor of Texas and say it's Neanderthal thinking. What a personal attack. You told you told the 78 year old told us he wasn't going to do that. And number two is at the same time, he's offering no excuses for letting illegals from other nations into our country who we know nothing about. It's unbelievable. In Texas, I mean, they've just admitted that they have uh, more than 100 COVID-positive illegal migrants that they've just let run rampage through Texas, spreading disease far and wide, and they're coming to New Jersey and North Carolina, probably to New York. And and those are only the ones they've tested. I mean, there are tens of thousands of people cramming into SUVs, as we sadly saw the other day with that terrible crash in California where 13 people died because there were something like 20 of them illegal uh, aliens crammed into a people smuggler's SUV to, to take them across the border. This is just absolute chaos. It is a crisis. And for for Biden's people to be telling us, oh, it's only a challenge, and for Biden not even to bother to address the American people about it, to pretend that they've got it under control, and at the same time, ban media from going down there and pretend it's because there's a COVID problem. Honestly, it is so dishonest, so the opposite of what they promised. You know, he promised unity, he promised competence, and he promised transparency. We've got none of that. There's been no press conference from this president. He's been in office for six weeks, nothing. He is hiding out. He may as well be in the basement. Miranda, a couple of things. They're not going to be able to hide this. And that's why I wrote panic on on this talking point, because they have to be panicked. Because forget the spin. People are coming across in droves. It's up over 100 percent since they took office from Arizona through Texas, especially. And then when they start testing positive and still are able to get on buses and transfer to holding facilities that are 97 percent full. And it's not even spring when the weather gets better. We're wearing Biden let me in shirts. They're coming to the border. And he got rid of the remain in Mexico policy. He's completely dismantled Trump's very effective border protection policies, and I don't think they care. They don't care because they know that the media is complicit, that there is no put the media they care about. You know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, they're not covering this, and they won't. And the problem is that they don't care. I think they want... uh, 
chaos. They want the country to be overrun. They want to cause uh, problems in Texas. They want to change the demographics in Texas because they want... All they really care about is power, and they want permanent rule. Yeah, possibly. Here's what Sid Miller says of Texas, uh, and he is the Texas Agricultural Commissioner, Cut 14, on the Neanderthal comment. There's no end to the hypocrisy of, of this president. While he's calling us Neanderthals down here for removing a mask order, uh, he's completely thrown the border open. We've, he's stopped the building of the wall. He's removed all of our cybersecurity. The drones are on the grounded. The blimps are grounded. You know, our, our forces down there are, are working blind. Actually, I think uh, D.C. could learn a lot from what we do here in Texas. If we were still a republic, we'd be the ninth largest economy in, in the world. But somehow we, we, have to, we have to stop this. A thousand a day, that is going to multiply ten times that as the word gets out that the, that the gates are open and you can just walk right in. Some of those towns actually tested uh, and found uh, over a hundred of those uh, immigrants with COVID. You know what they did with them? Mm-hmm. They put them on the bus and sent them right up mm-hmm. all, over the, all over our state and all over the United States. And this is where I think, uh, Miranda, you might be wrong. When it comes to kids back to school, you're not a Democrat or Republican. You're a parent. And when it comes to security and the spread of COVID, the COVID virus, you're not a Republican or Democrat. You're an American. And he is making us not see red or blue. We're seeing right and wrong. That is just plain wrong to almost I would challenge to everyone listening. What he's doing is just flat out wrong. And it's also the antithesis of what he pretended to be during the campaign. I mean, he is the most neurotic politician we've seen when it comes to COVID. I mean, he was triple masking before anyone even talked about it, um, hiding in his basement. Uh, Now he's been vaccinated. Maybe he doesn't care. But, uh, you know, to to act as if um, it's okay to open the borders uh, when, when you're having this super spreader event happening, to just ignore it, it's extraordinary that he gets away with it. But look, I'm sorry, Brian, but I just don't have faith you in don't? the media. We need the media to be holding uh, this administration to account. And unfortunately, the media that they care about and that Democrats read, which is the New York Times and CNN and so on, um, they don't hold them to account because all they care about is that they want to totally erase Trumpism and everything to do with Trump. Let's talk about his nemesis, Governor Cuomo, who is paying the price for Donald Trump not being in office. We're focusing on his incompetence and arrogance. Yesterday, after three accusers come forward, he met with the press, gave his normal uh, briefing, and then segued right into apologizing. Cut 24. Some politicians will always play politics, right? That's the nature of the beast. Uh, I don't think today is a day for politics. Uh, I wasn't elected by politicians. I was elected by the people of the state of New York. Uh, I'm not going to resign. Uh, I work for the people of the state of New York. They elected me, and I'm going to serve the people of the state of New York. And by the way, we have a full plate. We have COVID. We have recovery. We have rebuilding. We have a teetering New York City. We have a terrible financial picture. We have to do vaccines. Uh, So, no, Um, uh, I'm going to do the job the people of the state elected me to do. So he's not leaving. I don't think he's ever going to leave. He's going to have to be forced out. What was your take on his press conference yesterday? I just thought it was pathetic and 
particularly when he started pretending to cry. You know, he choked up. He he is such a baby, really. When you get to know the guy, you realise that he's um, never really grown up. He's completely self-engrossed and narcissistic and incompetent. You just see the way he's run this state. Uh, he's he's. Everyone knows that he's a bully. Uh, it, his colleagues have all known that for years. They know that he has been inappropriate in his uh, relationships with the young women who work for him. And that's been known. But none of it's come out until after the November election. And that's because he was so useful to them because he was anybody but Trump. And, you know, we had some woman in the Daily Beast yesterday wrote that her crush on Cuomo, which she'd written about so sickeningly last year, you know, she's one of the Cuomo sexuals who were madly in love with him when he was giving those daily briefings. She said, oh, you know, she's rethought uh, her crush and she realises now that it was just Stockholm syndrome because she was locked at home during the pandemic and anybody but Trump Trump was better. So it's it's you know his his popularity last last year which got up to about 78% in April was purely and simply because he was the the opposite of Trump and as in the opposite of Trump he pretended he did a good acting job but behind the scenes he was sending elderly people to their death with these callous memo forcing nursing homes to take COVID-positive patients. He was uh, leaving the the ship, the hospital ship and the Javits Centre hospital uh, empty. He is... Uh, blaming everybody. Jacking, j- blaming Trump, blaming everybody, blaming God. Uh, you know, jacking up taxes, uh, ruining small business here with these arbitrary rules about, you know, 10 p.m. curfew in the city that never sleeps. It is a joke. Um you know, closing down indoor dining, which had only just started getting back up. That was the death knell to a lot of restaurants. You know, they had managed to limp through, but when he did that the end of last year, that was it. Going into winter, how can that work? So he has been so destructive, so incompetent, and he talks a good game. He won an Emmy for it, and he should have been called out Many years ago, he should have been embarrassed to get that Emmy and embarrassed to write a book right before a second wave. It's maddening. So this is what he's asking us to do. Cut 26. I ask the people of this state to wait for the facts from the attorney general's report before forming an opinion. Get the facts, please, before forming an opinion. And the Attorney General is doing that review. I will fully cooperate with it. And then you will have the facts. Well, these are all Democrats. The accusers are all Democrats. They have not backed down. Almost each one has come back at him, not accepting what he claims was an apology. Do you think, I don't know anything about Letitia James except she was fixated on President Trump. Do you think that she is going to be aggressive in going after him, or do you think she's going to be fair, think she's going to be lenient? What do you know about her? 
Look, uh, I think we were all surprised that she came after him and the general um, view of that was that she uh, wants his job. So, because, of course, remember Cuomo was Attorney General before he became uh, Governor and he, uh, you know, it was the downfall of Elliot Spitzer that gave him that opportunity. So she'd be looking at that as well and uh, would be feeling that he's already had three terms. Um, however, you just don't know with Cuomo, I mean, uh, and, and the Democrats, there could be some backroom dealing going. I don't I don't trust them. I don't trust that there will be a fair inquiry. It's all political. And uh, the fact is that we don't need to wait for the facts. The facts are on the table. We know that 15,000 people died in nursing homes in New York. And we also know that Andrew Cuomo covered up he lied. He tried to bury the memo. He took it off the website. Uh, we know we have the testimony that the recording of his offsider blaming Donald Trump, telling state legislators that the reason that they hadn't provided them with the information about the nursing homes was because they were hiding it from the DOJ investigation. All of that is actionable. And, uh, you know, the facts are there on the table. Uh, whatever Letitia James comes up with, he is indicted. Got it. Uh, Moreno, a lot to cover uh, New York because New York is now national, especially with this Governor Cuomo, the most high profile governor there who got the most accolades, who mm-hmm. is uh, uh, who is somebody that's who's finally been exposed. And hopefully uh, the hopefully for for New York, the worst is yet to come because we got to get rid of this guy. Miranda Devine, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, and you got a reader in the New York Post. He always leads the charge. Great perspective. one 408 from Wichita to North Carolina to Ohio. We'll get to all you guys when we come back. Diving okay. deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I promised calls, so let's get to as many as possible. Craig, listen on WHIO. I was on their morning show today Hey, with Brittany. Hey, Craig. Hey, good morning. I'd like to, um, let's say, circle back to a comment made by uh, your last host, or last guest, Miranda Devine, concerning media bias. Yesterday, when CBS Morning Show interviewed a doctor concerning Abbott opening up Texas, the three journalist actors all got together and decried the situation of how many more people are going to get sick, how many more are going to have, are going to die, and the usual hype. Here's the reality. There is another spin that is equally, if not more important, and that is that we know the cost of lockdown is increased in suicide, increased in domestic violence, increased in child and domestic abuse, and increased in other medical conditions. Brian, they have to, as a media understand that there is bias in the media and the opposite spin is really frankly where they should have gone they should have said how many fewer people are going to relapse in alcoholism how many more teenagers won't commit craig i hear you i'm you know i've been saying that from day one right we we, life is full of risk we get it 
We've been through a year. Joe Biden's not going to teach me anything. Anthony Fauci's not going to teach me anything. In fact, I, I always wait. Uh, after they say something, I wait a while to find out if they're going to backtrack. But they never come back and say they were wrong. They just change the story. And I go, wait a second. You told us no masks. You told us not to clean all our, our groceries before we brought them in. You told them that surfaces are the most dangerous part, right? Uh, you told us we all got to wear gloves. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Now, now they have us wearing mad double masks outside. Forget it. I'm with the governor. I'm with the governor of Mississippi and governor of Texas. Jerry, listen on KWFS. Jerry, Wichita Falls, Texas. Hey, Brian, how are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Listen, just want to um, uh, respond to Dr. Wallace's uh, segment. Yes. Um, you know, first of all, uh, concerning our um, our COVID vaccinations. Texans are on the list. We're waiting for our vaccines. It's a matter of getting them here. And uh, so keep that in mind. So you got, um, you, you're able also, to get online. We just don't have the vaccines yet. Correct. That, 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 that's, that's what I'm saying. And, and I'm blessed. Um, I am going to get my vaccine tomorrow. All right. Um, so I, I'm, I, that's one thing we're going to do. I realize there are some Texans who don't want it. That's all across the country. Uh, we're also pretty wise. Uh, we may not have the intellect as most people do in the Northeast, but um, we, we know how to keep ourselves safe. Thank you, um, we, Jerry. We, I, I thought you believe that. By the way, we're, we've been to Wichita Falls, right, Allison? Beautiful little town. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, we had one of the best book signings ever and some of the nicest people in Wichita Falls, Texas. So I'm I'm 100% believing in Texans. And in terms of the vaccine and the pace, it's like pulling back the rubber band. You got the lines. You got it set. You just need the vials, and the vials are coming. They're coming uh, by the millions uh, to Texas and everywhere else. Back in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. This statue right here embodies the white supremacy and the disempowerment of black people that is forced upon us by white people. Yeah. Yeah. That is why we're tearing this statue down. We are going to be doing it on Thursday at 7 p.m. We're tearing this down. Right. And guess who he's talking about? I don't know, the KKK? Let's see who he's talking about, uh, some brutal racist. They're talking about taking down Abraham Lincoln's statue. Do you believe this? How about Mount Rushmore? Simone Moya Smith, the citizen of uh, an American Indian tribe, cut 42. The Black Hills is ours. That's where our stories began. That is our Jerusalem. Mount Rushmore, I would believe for the United States as a celebration of their presidents. I don't see it that way. It's a desecration of our sacred site. That's where our creation story began. And it is, uh, unfortunately, uh, a tourist trap. But when you go there, people don't know the real history of it. So this is some of the things that have been happening over the last few years, going after American historical figures. 
Joining us now, a guy that uh, has been fighting back on this and been telling the Amer- America story every chance he can, Brad Meltzer, best-selling author, historian, host of Lost History on H2, History 2, and uh, his new book's A New Day, and I'm Frida Kylo. Uh, his first book, uh, the first story book, was out this week, A New Day, and I am uh, Frida Kylo is out next week. So he's doing one after another, uh, and I, I want you to weigh in on that, uh, Brad, and also congratulations on both of your books. No, thank you, brother. Um, and listen, this is, you know, it's all, it's, it's the same thing with Dr. Seuss as we've been talking about, right? I mean, and I think, you know, listen, Abraham Lincoln, you know my bias for Abraham Lincoln. If I could have dinner with anybody, anybody, it's Abraham Lincoln. He is the man who lives up to all the hype. When we did the kids' book about him, I've written a kids' book about him. I'm Abraham Lincoln. I wrote the Lincoln Conspiracy about him. I've done him on television, on Decoded. Um, and each time there's so much stuff I can't put in there for his kindness, you know, and his amazingness and, and, you know, what he's done for this culture. And I hate the fact that we are a culture that is in this kind of culture war right now where everyone has to be all good or all bad. You know, there, and, and every hero, Brian, that I've written about, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Amelia Earhart, when we did Jane Goodall, when we did Dr. King – Someone writes me through our website, social media, and says, you shouldn't do that hero. Here's what's wrong with them. Every single one. And I, I, like I say to my kids, if you're looking for perfection, only God's perfect. Everyone else, take a number, right? We're all flawed, and we would never be able to honor anybody. Yeah, but since this is going on, and we've had this conversation at various times, but when you're going after Lincoln and Washington, you go to the University of Washington, they, they were petitioning to have Washington's statue taken down. Why? Because he had slaves. But you also founded the country that you're in. Uh, his uh, leadership is something that every coach at every level and every leader looks back on because of the person he became. And we used to look at those great qualities and mention the other qualities, too. That's called writing a biography. And and you put up a statue because this guy did this or this woman does extraordinary things. Well, the women's right to vote. Uh, 19 to, uh, you know, 1919, 1920, you uh, honor all, all those women who, who fought to do it. You don't ridicule the country because it took so long to do it. When you realize you look around the world, it was the same thing everywhere. Why is this generation of all ages so judgmental? Where did this come from? Yeah. Have you figured it out? You know, I think what it is, and I have actually given, I think that's actually the right question to ask. Like, why is this happening? And, I, and I've really thought about it. I, and I think it used to be that history was written by historians, right? That's how it was. You got the information. It was like the, it was like the nightly news. There were three networks. They gave you the news. And I always say to my kids, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And I think what the Internet has done and what so much of you know cable TV shows and radio shows and all the things that we're on and, and we all work on, you and I together, um, you know what the beautiful, great strength of them is they give everyone a different voice. Every point of view gets heard. You can say whatever you want to say. The worst part of it is every single voice is also out there. So there's no filter anymore. And and again, it does great things. It brings a, a breath of diversity that we do need. But at the same time, it means no one's happy. If I post on, on Twitter right now, I love the sunrise. Someone will write, so you hate the moon? You know, like it's just we it is in our nature right now when everyone has that view and everyone is a is a producer of content. Um, you you can't keep everyone happy. And so we're all miserable. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame because I think the answer is not in trying to make everyone so black and white, everyone so good and bad. You know, you can't be all, like we are. None of us 
are who we are on our worst days. Uh, absolutely. And so, I think if we have a little, if we have a little great, you know, and that's, listen, it's, it, to me, it's why I write my kids' books is to inform people. I, you know, I have people who tell me, whether it's Frida Kahlo or anyone else, they're like, oh, did you know she did this or that or the other thing? I'm like, yeah, but I also know she's an, an inspiration for young artists and women that are trying to use creativity. So are we all good or are we all bad or, or are we all complicated? Here's what Tucker Carlson had an interesting perspective last night in his monologue on this very topic, of course, in light of canceling the Muppets, Shakespeare, Mr. Uh, Mr. Potato Head, and Dr. Seuss. It sounds like a joke. It's real. It's happening. Cut 44. What exactly is equity, and how is it different from equality, equality being the central principle this country was founded on? Well, the first thing to know about equality is that it's designed to challenge power. Equity, by contrast, is designed to protect power. Equity is what the British monarchy had. Equality is what the American colonists wanted. So to recap, equality challenges power. Equity protects power. So when we talk, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the. I'm not sure the civil rights activists at the counters would agree with that one. But I, I think we need some nuance, right? I think what we need is. Like Dr. Seuss is the perfect example. We want to, you know, we've all taken that as like, oh, my gosh. And listen, I, I grew up on Dr. Seuss. I think I'm a writer today, arguably because of my love of books, which Dr. Seuss gave me, gave millions of kids the love of reading. That's an amazing thing. At the same time, in the same breath, some of his art has just not aged well. That's just a fact. Like if you look at it the same way when Disney World right now is shut down Song of the South because it just doesn't look that good anymore. But I think the thing is about that one, when you really look at it, and again, not to you know put it on, on a nightly cable show and just bash it, it, I think when you really look at it, you know, Twitter didn't cancel Dr. Seuss. His estate did, his family did, and basically said, you know what, we're going to take a couple away because there are some that are bad, and then we can then we can have the good. The hard part is, is that we all, you know, all of us, and we're all guilty of it. We see those things, and it feels like the whole world's crashing down. But I think we have to, you know, I think we do have to have a little bit of of calm and really look at it on a situation by situation basis and say, what's really going on here? Why is it happening? And you know, and rather than screaming, this is the end of the universe as we know it. Exactly, because it wasn't too many years ago when uh, President Obama said this about Dr. Seuss, followed by President Trump saying it on Read Across America Day. Cut thirty-eight. Pretty much all, uh, all the stuff you need to know. Is in Dr. Seuss. <laughs> We're all the same. So, so why, why would we treat somebody differently just because they don't have a star on their belt? And he went on to describe uh, the book that talked about uh, that same message through Dr. Seuss. So to me, you don't need to make a big thing if there's some books that don't wear well in Dr. Seuss's huge, vast library. You don't read that one on Read Across America Day. And I think we got through this a lot with a lot of different presidents with those books that what you say is don't wear well. But I just can't put my finger on why now. Almost as if yeah. someone is orchestrating the, their, their goal to wreck America's past to wreck its present. Yeah, I mean, I think what they're trying to, you know, and it's hard. It's really hard. You know, like we had in the Ordinary People Change the World series, you know what the number one request we got? It was, hey, Brad, have you done an Asian hero? We saw you did a black one, you did a white one, you did a Hispanic one, an Indian one, you did a Native American one. Like, and all these Asian kids around the country were like, when are you going to do an Asian one? And I was like, you know what? That's a fair point. If you're the Asian kid, you want someone who looks like you. My buddy. Is but, a, but, but Brad, you know what you I, said? You're yeah. ne- do an Asian one. Don't take down Martin Luther King oh, I, or right, Oprah. Right, right. Oh, I, 
I'm, I'm with you. I, I, but I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. I think that's like you, you, you don't have to attack. Like to me, if you want your kids to learn and give them something to inspire them, you don't have to tear it down to, you know, I think you, I think also, especially with statues, like if you just hide everything in the closet, we also lose that history. We lose the nuance. I, I would much rather see rather than you tear, you know, uh, uh, something down is like, put it inside the building. Tell me the story of what happened. Yep. Show me why that person did something wrong. And our kids will actually learn nuance. And we as a culture have to start teaching nuance. Otherwise, we're in real trouble if we just, you know, just point fingers and scream. So you have to, uh, two books out in the next two weeks. So first off, on a new day, this is something that every parent could say today, even before you get this book. Don't look around and say what you don't have. Point out things you do have and be appreciative. No, and, and, and listen, I wrote these two books for exactly where the culture is right now and what I was seeing and, and everything we've been talking about, right, is I, I – it was the first time, Brian, I've ever dreamed a book. I literally dreamt it, and I woke up in the morning, and it was Sunday quit just like that, that the day of the week Sunday quits, and all the other days of the week have to now have tryouts for a new day. And that's where the book title comes from, of course, and what a new day is about is they say let's have – you know, fun day, everyone will have fun. And they're like, no, they're like, let's have run day. Everyone will run and be fast. Like, no, they're like, let's have bun day. Everyone wears Princess Leia buns in their hair. And they're like, no. But the point of the book, and it gets crazier and crazier. The dogs want a dog day. The cats want cat day. And it gets, you know, like a Dr. Seuss book, it gets wild and fun. Um, but what eventually happens is that a little girl comes to Sunday with a potted plant and says, hi, I'm here. And she says, oh, you want to try out for a day? You want to have tree day, girl plant day, rutabaga day? And the girl says, no, I just want to say thank you for all the calm you bring me on Sunday. I just want you to have a nice day. And Sunday in that moment is undone. And in this picture book for kids, she lights up and she says and realizes the whole point of the book that when you have a little kindness in it, every day can be a new day. And that's what I want for my kids, right? We're all anxious right now. Our kids are anxious. We feel like the culture war is on. But the vital thing is to teach our kids, you put some kindness out there. You go say thank you. You teach them the right values, mm-hmm. and you can give them a brand new day. So, and now that's a, a new day. It's out now. And what about uh, I Am Frida Kahlo? Yeah, so I Am Frida Kahlo, I, I actually didn't know much about her. I had all these people requesting her. You know, she's the woman I knew. She had a unibrow and that you had, you know, uh, Salma Hayek played her in the movie. But she's an amazing female artist who is an artist at a time when only men are really being celebrated as artists. And what she, what I love about her is, you know, she gets made fun of because of how she looks, because of how she dresses, because of where she's from, but she's always unapologetically herself. She's always committed. Her favorite thing that she paints is herself in a mirror. She looks in a mirror, paints herself. And at the end of the book, one of the things we do is we actually put on the last page a mirror into the book, a plastic mirror on the last page of I Am Frida Kahlo. And it says, look at this. You know what I see here? And she holds up the mirror and it says, I see a work of art. And when your kid sees themselves in that pages of that last book, they realize the message of the book, which says, I am Frida Kahlo. And I know that the most beautiful thing in the world is you. And again, our kids, they're, they're doubting themselves. They're worried. Everyone's being attacked from every side. But you give them I am Frida Kahlo and you tell them, listen, it's okay to be exactly who you are. And that's a vital lesson. I want my daughter to have that lesson. I want my son to have that lesson. So the whole Ordinary People Change the World series is, is, yes, it's about history, but it's about values and giving your kids those values they need in these trying times. So tell me about your daughter and her project called Her Secret Identity. 
Yeah, God bless you for letting me talk about this. So um, I got a surprise one day. My daughter's 15 years old, and um, she does not. She's not a big social media. She never posts herself. It's hard for a 15 year old. So much judgment out there, and she started a movement called Her Secret Identity to help women uh, reveal their true selves. That women always hide something about themselves. And so I said to her, listen, if you want people to reveal who they are and what their fears are, you got to do it first. And she was like, what? And I'm like, you got to do it first. And so she posted, Brian, people think I'm, I've got it all together. And in reality, I struggle all the time and put that on the Internet. And suddenly all these kids in her school started liking it. And it's hard for a 15-year-old to put themselves out there vulnerably mm-hmm. like that. And then Billie Jean King posted one. And then we had best-selling authors posting them. And I encourage everyone. We had a woman who has autism who said, people think I'm weird, but I just like things that are my secret identity is I like things different than you. And and today there was one that was posted by a woman who buried her son and it said, people think I'm going to get over it, but I'm a mother and I'm never going to get over the loss of my son. And she's trying to get all... She's trying to get all 50 states. She's got 25 states. So go to Instagram.com, her.secret.identity, and reveal your secret identity. You will be seen. Uh, Thanks so much, Brad. Great project. Uh, Your daughter sounds sensational. Uh, Like her dad, a new day. And I am uh, Frida Kylo. Brad, thanks so much. Thank you, my brother. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. President Biden said in putting together the bill, he said, we want to we want to meet you, us, the Republicans, halfway. If that's the case, he's a damn poor judge of distance. Yeah. He's rejected everything we've proposed. This bill's dreadful. The only way I know how to improve it is with a shredder. It's not even a coronavirus bill. Calling this a coronavirus bill is like calling um, Harvey Weinstein a feminist. (laughs) That was one of his best all-time sound bites, and he is a soundbite machine. Uh, They're talking about a $1.9 trillion package that they got rid of the Schumer Bridge to Canada. They got rid of the Pelosi transit system fee. They got rid of the minimum wage, but it really hasn't budged much the bottom line. They still have all these things for the arts, which is fine, but that's not what this thing is for. It's supposed to address uh, the businesses and the people and get people checks for who have been out of work through no fault of their own. Now, they have raised the threshold and made it more targeted with the $1,400. I think that'll save a few bucks. But for the most part, there's been no Republican support. And it's not clear if they have Democratic support, but Schumer is working with the moderates. There's about 10 of them that had a problem with the total on this bill. But no one's dug in like they were on minimum wage. Cinema and Manchin were not going to ever sign off on it. So it was almost a gift that the parliamentarian took that out. Uh, Rich, listen on WABC in Long Island. Hey, Rich. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Can I ask Jen Psaki a question? Uh, no, I'm going to circle back with you on that. Oh. Thank you. You just stole it, Don, a part of it. Uh, listen, this is what I would ask her if I could. Uh, what is the, the vaccine distribution rollout plan for the thousands of legal people coming through the border, seeing as we don't have enough vaccinations for our own people? Can you put me on hold? I need to hear the end of this. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. I know. That would be great. Uh, we're never going to get the answer to that. It's okay for illegals to come in, but it's Neanderthal-like for Texas to open up their state. Mike in Oklahoma. Mike. 
Hey, Mike, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, we're having a little problems uh, with the phones. Here, here's what is insane about this whole thing with Texas. The ba- blowback. Did you see what Michael Moore said, uh, the bloated pundit? He came out and said, along with Keith, o- Keith Oberman, I know, he's still alive. I'm shocked, too. They came out and said, because Texas is doing this, every Texas citizen should be denied the vaccine. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? Because you decide to let people make their own decisions, you should be punished? See how twisted that mindset is? And why they don't let Joe Biden speak without a prompter and without notes. He said that thing about Neanderthal because he winged it. They told him to get out of the room and he answered somebody's question. Remember, Joe Biden needs a script. I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.